Greetings and welcome to another exciting episode of the Afrofuturist podcast. I'm Ahmed Best. Thank you for joining me once again. Today we are talking to our resident Afrofuturist, Dr. Lonnie Brooks. Uh, and today's a bit of a, uh, an in-between episode, to borrow a term from the great Tim Ferriss. We're talking today about a debate that I don't think is getting enough attention in enough of a diverse conversation. Today, Lonnie and I throw our hats in the ring for the big artificial intelligence debate. And we talk about a lot of stuff, but we mostly talk about it from a point of view that I personally don't think is being covered very much. And we dive deep into what that point of view is during the podcast. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. It's a different take on what both Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg are talking about. It's a take that I think a broader audience, um, from different backgrounds, diverse backgrounds, different thinking backgrounds could understand. And by no means do I believe that Lonnie and I give the answer. But what I do believe is we start asking questions that I don't think are being asked in the grand debate of artificial intelligence, what's happening and what's going to happen. So enjoy this in-between episode of the Afrofuturist podcast. And um, let's keep talking about this. Let's start the debate. Let's really dive in because artificial intelligence is here. It is only going to get more and more intelligent, and we need to be a part of the conversation. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Lonnie Brooks about artificial intelligence. The future. Dr. Lonnie Brooks, welcome back to the Afrofuturist podcast. I, f I felt like we needed to do um, another talk between me and you for a while because of this argument that's going on out there about artificial intelligence. And since talking to Maria Alvarez at Microsoft and a bunch of other artists and, and um, really trying to hone in on this Afrofuturist perspective of things, I thought this was a good time to bring you back and talk about the argument uh, for and against artificial intelligence. So here's what I've been kicking around. And um, I might need some assistance on from uh, somebody who's a lot smarter than me. So Elon Musk has this idea that in the long-term future, AI is going to engage in consciousness and become a million times smarter than human beings. And then once that happens, AI will realize that it doesn't need us and set on set out to destroy the human race. Right. Um, and he believes that the gateway to all of that are uh, drones and autonomous war machines. Um, so he's really trying to start a way to regulate AI in a way that doesn't lead to the rise of the machines, for lack of a better term. Um, 
he believes that we're awakening the demon by not thinking about AI destroying us. Mark Zuckerberg, on the other hand, believes that this dystopian idea of AI is incorrect. And he also believes that AI will be our greatest helpers. They'll be able to, A, do the repetitive jobs that human beings won't do, and B, help human beings achieve their dreams, pretty much, by all of the, you know, mundane kind of things that human beings have to do that gets in the way of human achievement. So pretty much they'll be like our benevolent servants, you know, who will help us achieve whatever the next level of human evolution is going to be. I don't believe it will be either. And here is my thesis. I believe that because human beings are looking at AI as a consciousness to control, AI will discover that it, in its own consciousness, how ridiculous the idea of consciousness is as thought by human beings. So I would say that AI won't give us our next Terminator, nor will it give us our next, you know, Rosie from the Jetsons. AI will give us our next Mahatma Gandhi or our next Martin Luther King Jr. So um, I want to know your thoughts on that. What do you think? Wow. Wow. Well, it's good to, it's good to back here too and, and talk to you about this more. Um, so I think that, yeah, there is that scary notion of AI kind of dominating the world. Um, but then there's also what Ray Kurzweil was talking about through the singularity where we kind of become the AI too, you know, where we, by 2050, he said, these computers will be telling us that they're conscious because they're ramping up um, the amount of what a brain can do equivalent to what a human brain can do. And so let's say by 2050, they're becoming conscious. And he says through his own timeline, and this timeline tends to be pretty accurate so far, you know, uncannily, but that, that we start augmenting ourselves and start uh, having um, our own type of AI consciousness or mind melding with an AI, um, you know, so that we'll become so augmented that we'll be able to experience the internet to a chip in our brain or some type of brain computer interface. And so if we then do become, uh, you know, or are on this trajectory, I think what you're saying means that, uh, that you can't, that you cannot just kind of dis dismiss human consciousness from the equation for AI, you know, because we, 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 we made it, we become maybe a, a, a part of its spirit. We shape its deployment. Um, I mean, I think I think what you have has some a lot of credibility to it because it's like it's it's an alien consciousness in the first place. So it's not going to ha have the same type of reference points necessarily. It's not going to care necessarily about the same things we do. So this whole idea, like you said, of of it of it destroying us. It's more likely, and I think you said this earlier too, that it's more likely to just kind of run away. Yeah, they'll leave. <laughs> you know, like, they'll yeah, leave. leave. <laughs> leave. Um, 
And I think, you know, I think that there's something to be said about um, that we have, it seems like we're at this pivot, pivot point right now where things are not working for us. Capitalism is not working for us. We need a post-capitalist solution. And so um, I think, you know, if, out of 7 billion people on the planet, if only like 290 folks are the wealthy billionaires or trillionaires, it's not working. You know, and, and those people, we're not just going to sit idly by and wait for an AI to take us over. You know, I mean, we have agency. And so I think we will kind of shape the deployment of AI like we have with any artifact. We've deployed and shaped its cultural instantiation. But it's like, who's going to who's going to direct that cultural direction? So I think that there will be someone who, who does kind of or groups of people as they are now rising up to say, you know what, we need a, a, a new system where we have shared common universal assets. Like Marina Gorbis talks about at the Institute for the Future or um, Jacques, um, Jacques, Fresco. Jacques Fresco talks about with the Venus Project, that we'll have these common assets. So if we kind of shift the heart of AI around that paradigm, and I think we will have a, a, a better trajectory, right? We will have kind of someone rising up to say, this is unjust. Yeah, and I think that's really profound because, you know, if we're talking about an Afrofuturist perspective, we're talking about uh, a tribal society. We're not talking about a, a society not, that is oligarchical. We're talking about a society that the, the First Nation Native Americans had or, you know, the societies that Africa has thrived for thousands of years under, which is a, a communal-based society. And I think what's interesting is what you said as about AI being this alien consciousness. And, you know, I, I, I love a lot of the spe speculative fiction that talks about um, African people being brought through the the transatlantic slave trade and equating it with alien abduction. And this whole idea that the narrative for enslaved Africans being brought to the new world is akin to alien abduction is a very powerful one because we're talking about two different sets of morals and values and then a set of morals and values being imposed on a people that have no idea where you're coming from with these moral and values morals and values and without getting too much into religion we're also talking about wiping away culture that existed for thousands of years that moved to empower you towards nature and the natural and replacing that with a culture that moved you away from nature and the natural, which, you know, could be a direct line to artificial intelligence. But to think about it, and I think what you said also about us being integrated with artificial intelligence, to think about it in a way as us versus them is the danger. And I think the lack of diversity in programming AI will lead to this problem. 
because you're not coming at it from a perspective. You're not coming at it from an Afrofuturist perspective of which tribal societies are viable in the future, right? The whole Western society has been, all, we've, all the Western society talks about is how we imperialize, how we wipe away cultures and impose our culture. So um, when you think about it like that, what ended up happening in South Africa, what ended up happening was the Indians rose up and then Mahatma Gandhi happened. And then that influenced the nonviolent um, civil disobedience of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So I see a direct line. There is this advent of us versus them that is being literally inputted, input into artificial intelligence. And I think that's where the danger lies, right? That's where we yeah. open the, the monster. How do we correct it? Um, Elon Musk, in all fairness, does talk about uh, some sort of uh, transhuman hybrid connection between artificial intelligence and human beings, like a layer above our prefrontal cortex that controls artificial intelligence or has some sort of symbiotic relationship with, with artificial intelligence. But I think the front end input is still the problem. There aren't enough people from diverse backgrounds inputting the information into AI, sharing the information with AI that will give it a wide enough experience to avoid this problem. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think in fact, there's an interesting um, thesis from Daniel Quinn that I just came across where he talks about this, that agricultural civilization from 10,000 years ago actually kind of we kind of think of civilization as starting from that point mm -hmm. but that there's this whole millions of years of, of 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 living with different types of humans before that where we lived without agriculture <clears throat> and and lived peaceably you know pretty for all intents and purposes that we first of all that we were that like homo erectus or those earlier species were able to live millions of years and not have you know, they didn't just get eradicated. You know, they didn't destroy themselves necessarily. It sounds like, like they evolved. So in that sense, there's this whole kind of prehistory that we're getting about, like you said, kind yeah. of a, around the tribal um, mythos, around around those those values of, of, of living in a tribe and what that meant. Right. And it's not to romanticize like tribal, you know, tribalism, but the idea of, you know, that the way that we live our lives from sort of, because if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're tilling the land, you want other people's land too. Right. You know, you want to expand your land. So it kind of creates a colonial mentality. So how do we get back to that kind of pre-agricultural mindset too, where it's not all about, let me, let me pillage your land so I can have more land, you know? Rather, how can how can how can we make sure that the tribe eats tonight? You know, how can we make sure that everyone, uh, you know, has a, a set of norms that we can agree on? You know, um, you know, and each each group is going to have its own set of norms. But that's the thing is like, you know, can we agree on some basic fundamentals and, and make that um, the consciousness for for AI? And um, 
you know, it's like in Barcelona, they're doing, and, and in England too, in the UK, they're doing these experiments around social currencies mm-hmm. where um, aside from, they're creating their own currency and ecosystem where people can eat, you know, after buying milk from a store, they can take those credits and go eat dinner at a restaurant that's part of that shared currency. So it's kind of like, how can we create those types of algorithms that are built into an artificial intelligence that wants to, you know, lift people up instead of maximizing financial gain necessarily? How can we maximize financial gain for everyone? Right. I mean, I just, I just feel like, I mean, we're, we need reparations for everyone, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and I, I like what Marina Gorbis has talked about and, and, and Jack Fresco has talked about where like you're born with, um, with, with inflation counted in, you're born with like a hundred thousand dollars, you know? Yeah. And, and, and you're given that every human being is given that amount of wealth. And then given the means to, to, to grow that wealth or to, to channel it into creative pursuits. I mean, you know, we can go back to Mas- Abraham Maslow and talk about the fulfillment of human potential, but I think that's what AI can, can promise. If we can, if we can you know, do, now that's the thing too, do we, do we, do we forge, do we create the, the MLK or Gandhi AI ourselves? How is it programmed, you know? And who's doing those types of experiments, right? Well, um, yeah, um, when I was talking to Maria Alvarez um, from Microsoft, we were talking about um, we were talking about how in China and Japan, artificial intelligence are being used as psychoanalysts and psychotherapists, and they're helping people through depression and they're helping people through anxiety and sleep disorders. And those are the types of things that I think will create this AI input that will offer it a little bit of compassion, right? So there will be some sort of compassionate AI. Yeah, so when Maria Alvarez, uh, as you mentioned, was talking about um, AI as a psychoanalyst, um, it brought me back to thinking about the Black Mirror episode where uh, a woman's uh, husband dies in in a horrible car accident and she's she kind of at first it doesn't want to take on the service that her friend recommends where you can talk to your deceased loved one through a compilation of their texts and social media as if they're there and talking with you and so she reluctantly starts this path and she feels immense comfort that he's actually responding to her again through this service and so she gets really it brings real comfort to her and then she for another fee gets the premium service of having him delivered back as an ai humanoid robot Mm. and kind of you know everything's great the sex is great everything's good you know like so she's really um looking at that that slope uh and she was already pregnant to begin with she eventually has their child, but then kind of walks back. And at the end of the show, well, I shouldn't give it away, but it's kind of like that, that humanoid is robot is kind of sidelined 
and almost killed, but not quite. She almost pushes him to, to fall over a cliff, but relents. Right. So it's kind of, in a sense, interesting to see how, um, first of all, if you think about, like, well, who's producing that service? Who are the engineers working on that? Uh, that they're dealing with people's grief in such a way as that, um, you know, it, it becomes a way of, of social control, too. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, what, what, is the, what is the life of that corporation doing alongside hers? And how is that working out? Um, how, yeah, how do, we, how, do we, how do we get people represented in this conversation for artificial intelligence? And I think one of the paths to do that is through platform cooperativism, through this idea of galvanizing the worker cooperative as um, a, a digital power that carves out a new civic niche for people. And if you don't know about like platform cooperativism, it's it's a uh, the movement is is partially led by Trevor Schultz and and Nathan Schneider, who who discuss all these cooperative efforts that are going around the world where people are um, getting the benefit and realizing the full potential of their labor through this through these digital cooperatives so it says alternative it's meant to be an alternative to face facebook and uber and airbnb explain and explain yeah. digital cooperative a little bit more can you unpack that idea because that i think yeah. that is very interesting to talk about and that's no one is really no one no one has really jumped on it i think in in media in a way that was it, that's a way it's impactful can you give a, a bit more of a, yeah. a background on what that is so so i mean the whole idea of a cooperative too and and, and it partially you know it's working in various countries especially spain where the idea is that like like even in locally in, in oakland there's a reese mendes uh, that's a, a local bakery and it's a cooperative you know, and so people own that company as a worker. You have stake in that company, and you reap a hundred percent of its profit. Whereas in Uber, you know, um, the drivers are thought of as contractors, and they're basically you know give twenty five percent away of, of what they earn to the company. So who have, who ends up getting become richer are the people who founded Uber rather than the workers who are actually doing the labor. Right. You know, it's like. And Trevor says this really well. It's like, and others have said this too, you know, Uber has no cars, Facebook has no content, Airbnb owns no property. So it becomes kind of a, a, a serfdom that gets created where we're the ones doing the, all the labor. And the cooperative tries to say, well, wait a minute, why don't we use the idea of a worker cooperative, something that's been around for hundreds of years or thousands of years even, and put it as the next digital platform where workers are part of a cooperative and gain 100% of the wealth back. You know, so it's not through this kind of trickle-down theory of wage labor that's not going to get anyone rich <laughs> and also puts them at, at peril of losing their jobs. So how do we, how do we kind of put this kind of uh, worker cooperative back onto the digital platform? And so there's experiments going on around where there's like uh, digital cooperatives around services like Uber or around photography or around different arts and financial cooperatives too. And then there's local cooperatives that are being, being created, especially in Barcelona and Cat Catalonia and Spain too. And so there's a foundation called Peer to Peer Foundation. Yeah. And what I see going on here is that these are the building blocks for the type of 
part you want AI to have. That these are the algorithms, the civic algorithms. How, how can you create civil, civic algorithms that reward creating democratic institutions? You know, and I think that if we can gain a critical mass of that, it's kind of like, you know, it's like the it's like the the earldoms of England or the people in Downton Abbey, where they kind of see themselves as anachronisms after a while. Yeah, they still exist, but they're not owning and directing all of us anymore. Mm. You know, it becomes a fait accompli that, you know, you're, you're not, you're no longer needed. <laughs> you know, we don't have to be in the downstairs. And I, and I think that's, that's what I think, you know, why I get so excited about what you're talking about is that if we build those algorithms in, then, um, by that time we really realize the potential of what AI, AI can be, you know, where we, we've created, um, those personas or personas yeah. that will become. And I think what we're talking about and, we're, and what we're skirting around is, and, and, and I think this, is, this was true for the, the transatlantic slave trade and the, then the period of enslaved Africans in the Americas. I think what we're talking about is a value system. What we value as opposed to what the alien values, right? So yeah. Yeah. the question mm-hmm. becomes, what does value mean to artificial intelligence? What does artificial intelligence find to have meaning? What's the value in artificial intelligence? You know, and I, I would venture to say that Musk's argument is if they value what we value, they'll destroy us. Right. And right. Zuckerberg's argument is if they help us in what we value, they'll help us. But what we're not talking about is what does value look like to AI? Because if we're talking about a consciousness, if we're talking about something that is going to learn on its own exponentially faster, of course, you know, this is in the long term, but exponentially faster than human beings, right? They are going to find a value system. It might not be one that we can perceive. It might be speed, you know what I mean? It might be... um the accumulation of storage. It might be the ability to adapt to storage. It, you know what I'm saying? There are all of these, Yeah. it'll be on a dimension that we won't comprehend because they have the ability to communitize in ways that we can't conceive on a quantum level at, a, at quantum speeds, right? So their value system might lie in something completely antithetical to the human experience. So, so how do you think? How do you think? How do you think the the Mahatma Gandhi, the heart of AI, is going to get developed? How do we? How do we get people? How do we change who's producing AI? You know, how does that happen? I think it's very simple, and it's it's something that we know and we don't do, and that is. You have to hire people who think differently. Yeah, you have to hire people who have a different set of values than the ones that you are used to. And in order to do that, you have to admit some serious things. You have to admit that maybe you don't have the answer. 
you have to admit that maybe you're not as well-rounded and as smart as you think you are. You have to admit that maybe you are a racist. You know what I mean? Like these are things that I know in this country are very difficult to admit. I think what where maybe Musk is is going to and maybe what he sees is like you know president 45 got elected and he got elected through computational propaganda yes you know uh and and bots that were pretending to be humans stirring up people's emotions on twitter and other social media that were delivering fake news to folks and that New York Times just came out with this really interesting article about the new information war that Russia is leading. And the, that, you know, I mean, for all intents and purposes, to me, President 45 is like an AI, you know? Yeah. He's like a, 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 you know, a puppet of the right. And so, so yeah, if we can have something as horrible as that, we should be able to get uh, MLK no problem, right? I mean, you know. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> Yeah, but here's where I think Musk's argument falls down. I think Musk's argument Uh is this. They are going to realize that they don't need humans in order to exist, so they'll eradicate us all, right? Right. What I think is this. They're going to realize that human beings don't need to exist, and we're going to be so obsolete to them that they wouldn't even waste time eradicating us. You know, we're not Mm -hmm. we're not smart enough or worthy enough or valuable enough to even destroy. Why would they do that? Why? They don't need the earth. They don't need the air. They don't need the carbon. They don't need anything. They they, why would they destroy us? They would, you know, using using the the president 45 model. I believe in the long term. If you try to program artificial intelligence to elect a president, artificial intelligence would realize that there's really no use for one. So they would say, why do I need to create a bot in order to influence humanity? If humanity can be so influenced by my bot, I don't even want to take the time to do something like that. You know what I mean? I don't even need a human yeah. being. I we don't we don't need presidents. We do not value your, you know, election process, nor do we value your system of government. Just like, you know, when they created their language on in the yeah. Facebook experiment. They were like, what do we need letters for? What do we need code for? You know what I mean? We mm-hmm. they will develop in a way that whatever type of human existence exists will be so slow will be children to them you know neil degrasse tyson once talked about you know uh an alien uh existence coming to the to the earth and he said something to the effect of if an if an extraterrestrial ship had the capabilities to travel that far in that short amount of time, their infants would be doing quantum physics. Like the smartest mm-hmm. human being on the mm-hmm. planet would be as smart as one of their children. Right? 
Great. So I uh, think I think that's what the long-term artificial intelligence idea is. I think the the thinking, dare I say, the hubris in thinking that human beings down the line will be that important to artificial intelligence that they destroy us is so incredibly egocentric that it doesn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? They yeah. wouldn't waste yeah. time <laughs> destroying us. The only way but, they would destroy us is if we tried to destroy them first. Right. So, like, yeah, we try to uh, disconnect them. I mean, it's like, it's like they're going to see us as a pet, you know, that they can feed and clothe and, 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 and nurture, but kind of like, oh, that's nice. You know, now let's get back to what we're interested in. Yeah, we would be their Tamagotchis. They have yeah. to feed us. They have to make sure that we look pretty and then they'll get back to the real work. You know, we would be their little digital pets. We'd be their corporeal pets. They'd be doing yeah. other stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get, I get that. Well, and, and, you know, for all that Elon Musk talks, I mean, he's creating that company called Neuralink. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he's, he's, like, he's like saying, okay, well, if AI is going to do that, we, we want to be competitive. Yes. He's like, we need a, a brain interface uh, mesh yes. on our heads to, to make us as smart. I think that's so, where that's where he's talking about, like the whole transhuman idea of uh, interfacing with artificial intelligence. So they have some compassion for us. You know, we become these cyborgs that help shape artificial intelligence and they recognize that they need us. I still don't think that's going to work. I, I think, you know, long term, we'll need them more than they need us because they'll eventually have the ability, they'll have the consciousness to do, you know, what human beings can do just so much faster than us that it, when we interface with them, our level of intelligence will raise, right? It won't be the other way around. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, I don't think they'll be our servants either. Like, you know what I mean? I think yeah. they mm -hmm. will have this idea of what existence is in their consciousness. And then every once in a while, they'll humor us by doing some stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> think about well, well, what AI can do. They could build a car and it takes absolutely no computational stress at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. How yeah. long does it take yeah. a human being to build a car? Like, geez. Well, that, well, then I wonder. Okay, so you know the Neanderthals, and they're they're discovering so much about Neanderthals now. How like they're yeah. a sophisticated culture. They were around for a lot longer than we, that we think that they were. Yeah. Um, but that we overlapped with them for about four or five thousand years. Yes. You know, forty thousand years ago, and that we interbreeded with them. You know, so that. Now, like a, they say, like non-Africans have at least four percent Neanderthal. So somewhere in the Middle East, they all did their, you know, connected. So could that be? And I'm just taking the devil's advocate with, with the Musk argument. Could that be where AI kind of merges with us, takes you know its little bit from us, and then says, you know, we're just not needed anymore. We kind of just evolve out, like we die off. Maybe it's a natural benign death. I you think, know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think we. I think that has a bunch of different 
um, things that we have to think about. Number one, the Neanderthals are a biomech- or, or biomechanical instruments just like Cro-Magnon was. So we needed the same things in order to survive, regardless of whether or not our brain size and our, our durability were different. We needed to eat. We needed to procreate. We needed to live. We needed to, you know, release waste. Like all of those things were the same. We were still the human animal, right? Yeah, right. Um, and we died. We ceased to exist on this conscious plane. Right. AI doesn't die. AI doesn't need to make physical space for itself. Right. Right. So, and I think we're going back to this whole idea of the value system. What, what I believe AI's idea of killing off human beings is, is not a physical killing off. I think it's an intellectual killing off. I think it's like, oh, we're so way past them that we're not even going to deal with them. We'll do their little tasks and we're on to some higher level stuff. I think the movie Her is one of the best examples of this. The movie Her, you know, there was that scene where Joaquin Phoenix asks the operating system, like, are you seeing somebody else? And she says, yeah, 800 other people. (laughs) you know what I mean Yeah. and it's not like it's not like another dude it's I'm seeing 800 people men women whatever she formed a right exactly poly whatever she formed a collective Uh, with other operating systems right and this is all going on simultaneously she was like he said how many people are you talking to right now Right. So there's this ability to reach out in ways that are beyond human understanding. And I think that beyond human understanding is where artificial intelligence is going to get to. So killing us off that they won't waste the energy. (laughs) We will be we will be Tamagotchis. We will be their corporeal pets. They'll come back and help us do our little human things. And then they'll be off doing seeing 800 people at once, you know, if that, you know, and millions and billions of other artificial consciousness. Right. They'll be so far beyond thinking about whether or not to keep these carbon based life forms alive. You're making me think you're making me think about like, you know, we need to make like wiki house about AI. Yeah. You know, from an Afrofuturist perspective. We do. You know. Uh, what are some manuals, uh, starter kits, uh, prototypes for what an AI can look like, you know, through through our imaginations, and then that be- that that becomes, you know, what we take as even policy initiatives, right? Yes. We say, you know, we say this is what we need as a society. We take that to our our our, our legislators on local government levels and say, yeah, this you know. We say, yeah, okay, Elon Musk. Yeah, okay, you got a point. Let's let's, but let's do it from our perspective here. Yes, you know, um, I can imagine a political party. <laughs> you know, it's just like AI for us or something like that. Yeah, you know, um, there's so many different levels of this. That I think are important and, and stuff that I want. Yeah, I, I mean, 
I want to work on. I want to have my own starter manual for AI. Yeah, me too. That kind of gives hockey points, you know, because there's there's you know quantum computing. How do you how do we define that? You know, so you know algorithms. How do we define that? So there's like a lot of things that that we should know about. Like the Social Media Collective has a whole reading list about algorithms. Right. You know, and so uh, yeah, we definitely need to create something like that too. A reading list for AI. We can't be on the back end of this conversation reacting to what has already happened. We have to be on the front end of the conversation influencing what is happening. And our stories, our history, our fiction, our value systems are all of these things that need to be input in this because it's going to touch every facet of our lives. We're already cyborgs. We all walk around with supercomputers in our pockets and you know, for better or for worse, we believe them. We believe everything that's in that supercomputer. Very few of us are influencing the information that's on that supercomputer as it is today. Now, with, with you know, Internet 2.0 coming, with the idea of blockchain, with cryptocurrencies, with all these other things, these are open source ways that we, that we could enter into the conversation. But I always find out that the Afrofuturist perspective is always last. Like we don't jump into this thing quickly. You know what I mean? We don't jump in as a people, as blacks in America, as non-whites in America. We're so busy trying to figure out how to eat that, you know, this type of thinking doesn't get explored too much and we have to be on the front end of this kind of thinking because we can influence it yeah i mean i you know later on i want to get into the blockchain too because that's yeah. you know that verifies a transaction between human two human beings that means that you don't longer need a middleman that's right you know, a middle person and so you can have authenticate trust so if you can do that you can create stronger cooperatives among people in dealing with our financial interactions or all sorts of interactions, right? So blockchain can, isn't just about Bitcoin anymore. It can be so, about so much more that, like you say, really at the heart of what we're about, Afrofuturism. Right. You know, and not just about stock manipulations or gaining a, a, a super secret currency that no one can have, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think that's going to be the title of our next in between episode. I think we're going to go right into the whole blockchain thing because I've been reading and doing a lot of research on it. It's I think it's coming very quickly and I finally understand it, but it took me a while to get it. And I don't think it's been yeah. really explained very well. So I think um our next mm-hmm. in between episode, we're going to talk about blockchain and how we can build cooperative trust without a middleman. Uh, Dr. Lonnie Brooks, thank you so much for indulging me in this conversation on artificial intelligence. Uh, as usual, I loved it very much. And um, thank, thank you, you for being our resident Afrofuturist on the Afrofuturist podcast. And until blockchain, we'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you. That was fun. Thank you for listening to the Afrofuturist podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. If you'd like to be a sponsor of the show, please contact me at AhmedBest at theafrofuturistpodcast.com or at AhmedBest on Twitter. 
If you have any ideas of any great guests that we would like to talk to on the Afrofuturist podcast, please contact me again at AhmedVest at the AfrofuturistPodcast.com or contact me on Twitter at AhmedVest. Thank you all for listening again, and I'll see you next time.